pancakes tonight. Let's give him some praise in his house tonight. Come on, he's worthy, amen. He is our redeemer, our strength, and our strong power to the lily of every valley we walk through. Come on, he's the prince of peace and the way maker where there seemeth not to be a way. And he's worthy of all of our praise, all of our shout, all of the glory that we can give him, our king, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I tell you, church, it's really an honor to be back for three weeks just to be a part of what God is doing in Dawsonville, Georgia. Guys, I want to tell you something. I am... Uh, I'm just elated that uh, I have the privilege and the opportunity to just be here, to be touched by what God is doing. And just as much as um, I know that God uses us to give, he's put us here to receive. And I'm just thankful I get a chance to be a part of that. It has been life-giving to me as well, to our church. It's not just impacting uh, here, it's impacting our congregation as well. Amen. Isn't it awesome to see what God's doing in this hour? If there's ever been a need, for a move of God in America, it is right now. Guys, our nation is broken, and we're never going to fix it with political policies, and it's not that I'm not an advocate for politics, but I want to assure you of one thing. Politics is not going to, to fix the problem we have in America. We're not going to fix it with better policies. It's going to have to be fixed by the power of God because we have a heart problem. We have a sin problem in America, and there is only one answer to that, and it's what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. God is still in the life-changing business. We've, we've minimized salvation to being an experience and a prayer when in fact salvation should absolutely have revolutionized and changed your life forever. Because I still believe that if any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things do become brand new. God changes our lives. He is a delivering God. He's a healing God. He's a restoring God. And I believe that that's what he desires to do, not only in this church, but I believe God wants to do it in the marketplace. I believe God wants to do it in the lives of your children. I believe he wants to do it in the workplace, behind the cubicle, on the assembly line. I believe God wants to be God everywhere. He just needs some conduit to flow through. I believe that he's need a people that are as bold as lions. He said the righteous are as bold as lions. And I believe that God's going to have a bold generation. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how the manifestations of the gifts come, but we fail sometimes to preach that the one thing that always accompanied the baptism of the Holy Spirit was boldness. Church, we need boldness. We need boldness to speak the life-giving power of the gospel. Bold Boldness to lay hands on the sick. Boldness to believe God for the restoration of marriages. Boldness to declare what Christ accomplished on the cross to everyone we come in contact with that's broken. We've got to have the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows us to discern the brokenness of the people that are around us because we can dress up brokenness, but behind the pretty on the outside is still the broken, dysfunctional heart on the inside. A guy, that, a guy that I pastored for years of my life, I know that at one time a tremendous man of God, loved God, family, beautiful family, beautiful kids. I've, I've been a part of their life for years and years. Goes in, snaps, has a nervous breakdown, goes in and kills his wife a few days ago. Guys, they're hurting people around us everywhere. 
People whose lives are devastated from divorce, they're devastated because of what their kids are going through, because of drug addiction, because of the way our culture is and the deterioration of moral values. People are hurting because the love of many are waxed old. But I'm telling you, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has an answer for it, and that answers are sitting in the pews in front of me right now because you are God's chosen vessel for this time to be a release of God. God's power, glory, and honor today that lives may be forever changed. I believe that. Ezekiel chapter 47, that's the prelude to my sermon tonight. Uh, guys, I'm telling you, I'm excited because I know that God is going to use those that are sitting in front of me tonight. I believe that there's greatness in this room. I believe there's people in this room that will lead more people to Jesus than Billy Graham. Uh-oh. Let me say that one more time. I believe there's people in this room that will lead more people to Jesus than Billy Graham. I believe there are people in here that will write more worship songs than Darlene Check ever thought about writing. I believe there are people in this room today that will write more bestsellers than John Bevere's written. I believe there are people in here in this room today that God will send to missionaries that will change nation. There is greatness in this room tonight. Don't sell yourself short. You say, well, pastor, you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I've been. I don't have that kind of personality. God doesn't need your ability. God just needs your availability. God just needs somebody to throw up the white flag and say, God, I won't fight whatever you want. Put a dream inside of me that's bigger than I am. Use me where I thought I could never be used. God, let your glory pour through my life. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 through 12 Ezekiel sees a vision. He says, the man of God brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Now watch this. He said, I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east, and the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Say it's south of the altar. You need to remember that. Then, now watch this. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate, facing the east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through the water and the water was ankle deep. Say it with me, ankle deep. Verse 4, and then he measured another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was knee deep. Then the Bible said he measured off another thousand and he led me through the water and the water was waist deep. Then he measured another thousand. Now watch this, but now it was a river. Say, now it's a river that I could not cross because the water was risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He asked me, O son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down from Araba uh, where it enters the sea. Now watch this. And when it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. We're talking about the Dead Sea here. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Say, everywhere this river flows, it will live. Now the Bible says fishermen will stand along the shore of Engedi and Eglim, and there will he, now watch this, there will be places for the spreading of nets, 
And fish will of many, now watch this, and fish will be of many kinds like the, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of every kind will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every, now every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Lord, we don't really need another sermon. We don't need three points in a prayer tonight. God, we need a move of the Holy Spirit. Father, you're manifesting your presence in supernatural ways. But I believe you're also demonstrating your presence through power. And tonight we ask for a demonstration of your power. Paul didn't come with an excellency of speech, but a demonstration of power. And tonight, God, I come humbly, not capable of doing anything within myself, but looking unto you, the one who empowers, the one who strengthens, the one who yields, the one who gives. And I thank you tonight for using this clay vessel tonight, Father, to, to operate in power, that the glory and the honor and the praise, Father, may be to Jesus, our King, our Redeemer, our Savior. For it's in his name we pray, amen and amen. Can you say amen with me, church? God shows Ezekiel something I believe that is far more than what we just simply appears in Scripture. Because anywhere that you see a temple in the Scripture, a temple and a throne of God, it's referring to something more than what that specific temple was at that time. It is simply a prophetic word. It is a type and a shadow of what was to come. And we understand today that God doesn't dwell in temples that are built by the hands of men. And I realize that a lot of those that study prophecy and those that study eschatology are waiting for the rebuilding of the temple as signs. But I got news for you guys. God's got a temple right now. God has a temple on the earth today, and that temple is you and I. It's called the church. And when we talk about the church, it's not the mortar, it's not the bricks, it's not the building, it's not the organization, but the church is you and I, the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us with clarity that the Bible says the church is the body of Christ. And then it goes on to say the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So who is the church? It is the body of Christ that is the fullness of him. In other words, the church is no less him than he was when he walked the earth today. The only difference is, is he's not living in one body. He's living in all of these bodies. And together we make up, according to Corinthians, the temple of God. Somebody say we're the temple of God. We're the temple of God as individuals, but the Bible also describes us as the temple of God as we congregate together as the body of Christ. So we make up a temple individually, but we make up a temple corporately as well. A lot of people, when they read the scripture that said, he who destroys the temple, God will destroy him. And we think about that as relating to suicide. But I got news for you. If you read that scripture in its context, he's not talking about doing yourself personal harm. He's talking about the church because God takes you and I very seriously. That's why the Bible said that God calls into an abomination for those who sow discord among the brethren. Because God called you and I to work together as his body to do his will and accomplish his purpose in the earth. 
And I got news for you in this room. We've had the big eyes and the little U's all around the church today. But you're just as important to God as anybody else that will ever grace this platform or ever preach from a pulpit in America. You are anointed by God. God saved you with the same price of the blood of his son that it took to save anybody else. And the same spirit of God that lives in them is the same spirit of God that lives in you. Your gifts may be different, but the anointing is still the same. The anointing that destroys the yoke. The anointing that opens the eyes of the blind. The anointing that heals the brokenhearted. That same anointing lives and dwells and abides on the inside of you. Somebody say Christ in me is the hope of glory. It didn't say Jesus in me, it said Christ in me because he wanted you to understand the anointed one that is on the inside of you. Not just Christ, but the anointed one. Christ is not his last name. Christ is the descriptive title of who he is, the anointed one. And the anointing of God lives and abides in every one of us in this room. So when he saw this river flowing out of the temple of God, flowing from the throne of God, that river was a type and a shadow and a prophetic word of Jesus' own words when he said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. God intended for out of the church of Jesus Christ to come a river of living water. And wherever that river goes, that river is going to bring life. Woo, hallelujah. In, in, in Revelations, Jesus tells us about a river that flows from the throne of God. And that everywhere that river flows, there's trees that are bearing fruit. And they constantly bear that fruit and they never fail. And the fruit that it bears and the leaves that they bore were for the healing of the nation. Guys, can I tell you that the power of the Holy Spirit that's flowing out of you and I is for the healings of the nation. While we're looking to a political party for the answers for our country, the truth is the answer for our nation is right here. It's on the inside of you. And God is ready for you to become that river that contours our nation. God is ready for a river to flow from the body of Christ that will bring transformation, that will bring change, not to culture but to people's lives, that will take the broken and make them whole, it will take the bound and set them free, that it will take the dysfunctional and make them functional, it will take the hurting and it will make them whole again because that's what Jesus does for people's lives. And that river that brings healing, that river that heals marriages, that river that heals families, that river that heals our children is on the inside of you and I. But here's where the challenge, Pastor, how do I get that river out of my life? I believe I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm doing what I believe God wants me to do. I'm going to church and I'm praying. How do we release that river? Guys, I think sometimes we get so religiously correct that we have forgot that God is looking for our absolute submission to his will. God is not looking for a visitation. God intended for there to be a habitation. God intended to be your God and for you to be his son or daughter. He intended for you to be in a relationship with him that is intimate and personal, that I don't just go to church and visit God, but that I walk with him seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that I learn the word of God, I learn the voice of God, I learn the leading of the Holy Spirit, because as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. God is looking for people with a relationship with him that don't just obey only what's in the written word, but we obey because we hear the voice of God. We hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're directed by God, not just at church, not just in a worship service, but that I can hear God as much on my workplace as I hear God when I'm in the church place. 
that I can hear God in, in my bedroom at night when I pray, that I can hear God when I'm out doing the things that I have to do every day and running my errands, that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit at all times. And let me tell you something, we got to be a people that are not only sensitive to God, but we got to be a people that are willing to do what God requires. And I believe the answer to it is found in the ankle-deep water, the knee-deep water, the waist-deep water, and the waters that are to swim in. Because, see, it's one thing for us to be in God ankle-deep. And I believe it's for a reason. Because as long as I'm in the water ankle-deep, I'm in a good place. Anywhere in God is a good place. Let me say it again. Anywhere in God is a good place. But here's the problem. When you're in the water ankle-deep, you're in control. You can get in and you can get out as often as you want to. And I think that's the problem is we don't want to be totally committed to God. We don't want to be totally surrendered to God. We want enough of God to get blessed and get splashed on, but we don't want enough of God for God to be in total control. We might be afraid that God might require something out of us we're not willing to give. We still want to be in God just enough. Oh, can I preach in here today? That I don't have to be separated from the world that God dictates what I do, where I go, who I hang with. How I live, where I spend my money. Oh, come on, I want to preach in here today. But see, being in ankle-deep water is at least you're in the water. But it's not a place where what flows from the throne of God is in control. Now let me establish something very quick for you. Where is the throne of God? Is it in some third dimension beyond the Milky Way? If I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, where should the throne of God be? Oh, can I preach? Right here. Somebody say right here. Why do you think Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of God is within you? If there is a kingdom in you, then there's a king that sits on the throne of your life. That's why the Bible said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. Jesus Christ and his kingdom should reign in the throne of your heart, church, that he wants to be Lord. That word Lord in the Greek doesn't just mean that that's his title. That means that's who he is. He is the controller. He wants control of our lives. He wants his will done in our lives. That's why when he prayed about the kingdom, he said, pray like this, thy kingdom, thy rulership, thy kingdom, thy authority be done on where? Earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, if God wants his will to be done, he needs a vessel that is willing to let his will be done in their life. Since we're the body of Christ doing the work of Christ in the earth, he needs a willing vessel. And if I'm in ankle-deep water, then I'm still in control. If I'm in knee-deep water, I'm in a little stronger, but I'm still in control. Even though I'm still under the current, I'm still under the influence, I can feel the pressure of where God is leading me. I can feel the, I can feel the, 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 the current that's pushing me in a direction. But if I want to get out of that, I can still move out of the current of the river of God. Can I preach in here today? And so as long as I'm not... As long as I'm still in control, even though I may feel the will of God, I may not have to do the will of God. Can I, can I prophesy in here tonight? I believe there's a lot of people that feel the will of God, but they don't always do the will of God. You feel the call of God on your life. You know there's something more than what God, uh, that, that, than what you're doing. You know that God requires something more, that he wants more out of your life, that he wants to use you. But we sit around because of intimidation. We sit around because of fear. We sit around because of lack of resources. And, and for some reason we have excuses as to why we don't give to that will. We all the time look at it as a sin. But sometimes it's not just about indulging in fleshly sin. Sometimes it's about God's purpose for 
your life. For God to use you outside of the realm of your comfort zone. For God to use you in places like you never thought that God would use you. To do things that are not what culture says is correct. Because culture says God don't speak. Culture says God don't lead. Culture says God don't heal. Most religions says God don't heal. But I got news for you. I serve a living God that is a healing God, that is a restoring God, that is a delivering God. Come on, somebody. He came to set the captives free. (laughs) He'll change every life that will allow him. And he'll use you as the conduit to do it. So we get in knee-deep water. But knee-deep water is where we feel the pressure, but we're still in control. Waste-deep water. We're still in, 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 in deeper water. But ultimately, we're still in control. It's harder. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I, I'm, I'm trying to do the will of God, and it's hard not to do the will of God, but I can still back out when I want to back out. I can still get offended and take my toys and go home. Oh, I can still get offended when somebody got my parking place or somebody didn't speak to me at church or somebody didn't give me the position in church or somebody didn't let me do what I felt like I was called to do. Hello, somebody. I can still back away or went through some marital conflict, went through some financial difficulties, and I begin to back away. It's hard to back away, but I can still pull back because in the waist-deep water, I'm still in control. And as long as you're in control, he's not really reigning on the throne of your heart. And if he's not reigning on the throne of your heart, then his perfect will's not being done. That river's not flowing like it ought to flow. But see, he showed him a water that was not to, that couldn't be, that couldn't be walked in. It couldn't, the Bible said it couldn't be crossed. In other words, there's a current here that the only way to get in is swim. And here's the thing. How many know you can't swim against the current? Come on, you can't. He said you could not be swimmed across. So in other words, I can't defy the current. I've got to be in flow with the current of where that river's going. And everywhere that river goes, that river is giving life. And God is looking for a generation of people right now that says, God, I believe you'll use me. That, God, I believe you'll flow through me. That, God, I believe you at the promises of your word. I believe you do what your word declares you will do. And, God, I'm going to step into your will. I'm going to step into your purpose. I'm going to step into my calling. I'm going to step into the life that you chose for me and I'm going to get caught up in the current current of where this river is flowing and everywhere it flows, it's going to bring life. Guys, you understand, God said, out of your belly. God said, not Lance Johnson, God said, rivers of living water would flow. Guys, I tell my church this. We can't be satisfied splashing in another man's river when God called us to be a river. Some people are satisfied just getting around little tastes of the anointing, little taste and a little taste of the atmosphere of the presence of God. They're satisfied with having a good church service every now and then. God doesn't want us just going and splashing in somebody else's river. God wants us to become that river everywhere we go. Can I, can, I, can I preach a little further, guys? I'm, I'm not long-winded tonight. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to put a caboose on it in just a minute. But here's the challenge that we have today. Here's the problem, guys. We think we got to be in this atmosphere for this river to flow. 
we think we got to have the keyboards going, the, the, the worship team singing. But see, if you go back in biblical days, you got Paul locked up in a prison, laying in his own blood, and he's singing hymns to God, and the Holy Ghost shows up and shakes the whole place. See, we got to realize that God ain't God inside this building. God is God inside of us. And everywhere we go, there's a river that's being released out of our life. Woo! And that anointing operates not in a perfect atmosphere, but it'll operate in any atmosphere. Ooh, I'm reminded of the, of, the, of the worshiping harlot woman that, that ran into Simon the Pharisee's house. You see, I can't find a worse atmosphere on the face of the planet than a religious atmosphere. I might not better count there very long. I get in trouble. See, because when you walk into an atmosphere that is charged with self-righteousness, cynicism and criticism, well, if that man were a prophet, talking about Jesus, he didn't know what kind of woman this was. She's a harlot. Everybody's got their finger out, pointing at her, laying, look at her. Can you smell her from here? And Jesus can't be a prophet. He wouldn't let no woman be doing that to him. He can't be a man of God. Everybody's judging. What a terrible atmosphere for the manifestation of the power and the glory of God to move. But yet this woman comes in with her radical worship. See, worship don't have to be because the perfect song's playing. You can get your worship on in Walmart. You can get your worship on anywhere you are. You can get your worship on standing in the line at the grocery store. You can get your praise on and just watch what God does. Because if you want the attention of God, God inhabits the praises of his people. I don't need a keyboard to be able to, to get. I don't need a, 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 a stringed instrument, even though those are, those are instruments and gifts from God for worship. But we can have that praise anywhere we are. And she began to worship God in that stagnant atmosphere of self-righteous judgment. And the Bible said immediately Jesus' attention was turned to her. And no matter what anybody else said in the room, his eyes never came off her. And when she broke that alabaster box, everybody's wishing when she broke the box. When she broke that bottle and poured it over his feet, the fragrance of that perfume permeated the atmosphere that was once filled with judgment, self-righteousness, and criticism. You have the power to change the atmosphere where you minister. You have the power to change the surroundings around you. Instead of letting what's on the outside influence you, it's time we become the influencers, church. Instead of letting the world affect us, it's time that we affect the world. We need to quit being the thermometer on the wall and become the thermostat that changes the moral climate of America once again. We need to become the instruments and understand that I'm not conquered by no devil. The devil is real and the devil is fierce. But I got news for you. 2,000 years ago, my Savior put his foot on him. And last I read, I'm the body of Christ. And that slew foot devil is under my foot. That's every spirit of Jezebel. That's every spirit of religion. That's every other spirit the church is cowering down to. We are not, we are not coward. We don't have a spirit of timidity, but we have a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And it's time the church arise and release the river of God out of our lives. That river that when you lay hands on them, they're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. That when you lay hands on them, they're going to get saved. That when you minister what Christ did, their lives will be forever changed. I'll close with this testimony.
Guys, there's nobody in this room that can ever argue Jesus with me. There's not a theologian that can ever argue the Bible with me. There's not a Muslim that can ever argue with me about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Not because I've studied my, bi my Bible for the last 30 years. Not because I spend every day of my life studying the Word of God and knowing the Scriptures. But because I have been a partaker of the God of those Scriptures. And see, I have more than just what I've studied. I have more than what I have read. I have the first-hand experience that I have met the king of that Bible. I have met Jesus, and I am a living testimony that he has the power to change, that he has the power to deliver, that he has the power to restore. Because my wife for 31 years, that he healed our marriage is sitting right there. My 27-year-old daughter and my 4-year-old grandbaby's here as a testimony that God is in the saving, delivering, and the restoring business, that I'm here today to testify that he can take a drug addict and make him a preacher, that God can take your brokenness and make it wholeness, that God can take your frailty and use it to touch the nations. But more than I know what he can do just because of what he's done for me is I know that he's a healer today, not because I read that by his stripes we were healed, not because I read that we would lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, but because I've got the privilege to look in the eyes of a blind man that's never seen a day in his life. And I watched the white, milky look over his eyes dissipate right before my eyes. And the impression of his face when he saw for the first time is forever burn in the image of my mind. The joy, the shock, the excitement, and the humbleness of that man's expression still radiates in my mind every day. Not one, but many. In my mind today, it still burned in my, in my mind. The day that I watched a man that had never heard a sound a day in his life hear for the very first time and to see the startledness in his face and to see the excitement and then the fear and then and to see the joy, I'll never forget. So see, you can't tell me Jesus don't heal. You can't tell me that by his stripes we're not healed because I know that we're healed. You see, you can't tell me because I watched that crippled girl in the middle of a Muslim city in Ghana, West Africa, I watched a crippled girl who had never walked a day in her life jump up and begin to run across a field with 30,000 people. And I watched the people stampede because of the miracle of healing a crippled girl that everybody in that city knew that girl was crippled. I know what it's like to watch 10,000 people rush a platform because God healed a crippled girl in the middle of Africa. Let me tell you why I know that God is in the miracle business. Because in my mind are burned the impressions of the hundreds and even thousands of men and women that I have seen come to Jesus that were forever changed. I have seen the eyes of the mother who could not break the power of the needle that she put in her arm every day, 
to the point that her children were put into the system and gone into foster care, going from home to home, while every night she cried herself to sleep begging for deliverance and freedom so that she could get her babies back. But the power of that methamphetamines was so strong that she couldn't break the bondage. The power of that heroin so great that she couldn't quit the addiction. And that she would lower herself to give herself away for a next fix and a next high. While the whole time that her baby that she loves with all of her heart, that she misses every second of the day, that at every moment she feels guilt that is overwhelming to the point that she don't want to live anymore. permeates her heart while she can't get those babies back. But see, I've been there when the court systems gave them them babies back because mama met Jesus and mama decided to be a follower of Jesus and mama got her life straightened out. Mama got her character back. Mama got her integrity back. Mama became a woman of God and mama got her babies back. And when you see the joy of the accomplishments of what God has done in their life, you never forget the power of who God really is. And when you know that God uses your brokenness even your personal failures in your own backstory to manifest the power of who God is and to be the messenger of hope and to think that if God could use somebody like me, what could he do with somebody like you? What if every person decided today, God, I'll release this river. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line up with your will. I'm going to begin to sell out, God. Today, I'm not just going to play church. Today, I'm not just going to go through the motions of Christianity. Today, I'm not just going to see what I can see and get what I'm going to get. But today, God, I'm here to give you everything to send me. God, here today, I'm not just going to serve you on Sunday, but I'm going to serve you on Monday with the same fire I serve you with on Sunday. That my praise is going to be on Monday just like it was on Sunday. That, God, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk in tentative. I'm going to flip my plate over until I know the voice of God. I'm going to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to step out by faith and be who God called me to be. Because everywhere around you, there are the Lazaruses of our generation. I'm not talking about the Lazarus that I'm talking about the one who laid outside the rich man's gate every day and begged. He's got sores all over him. They're wrapped up and covered up behind some kind of Versace shirt and maybe covered up behind what looks good on the outside. But when you look beyond, the dogs are the only ones that will lick the wounds. Of those that are around us, they're hurting everywhere. And here's the thing, God called you to be that river. Everywhere that river flowed, it brought life. It brought the dead back to life. It caused what was dead to live again. And God wants to use you to bring life back to those that are dead. To those whose marriages they say are irreconcilable. 
to those that are around you that says they can never get off that heroin. They'll never get off that Oxycontin. They'll never get off those opioids. They'll never be able to change. They'll never be able to be functional. They'll always be a liar. They'll always be broken. They'll always be dysfunctional. I got news for you. God can do what with man is impossible. God can change anything and anyone. It will just become the rivers that preach the life-giving power of who he really is. If you'll become the hands that will touch the broken, if you will become the hands that touch the lepers, if you will become the one to take the time to minister what Christ did, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just got to have a revelation of who he is. You just got to have a testimony that this is who God has been to me. This is what God's done in my life. Maybe you've never been healed, but God has touched you in more ways than that. You've got a testimony as to the power of God that is undeniable. And let me tell you what happens when you have a revelation of the Word. You've got more than a knowledge of the Word. Because the revelation of the word is, is I know who he is. I don't think this is who he is. This is not what I read he is. This is who I know he is today. When you've got a revelation of God, your message becomes powerful. Guys, God wants to use you in the morning. God wants to use you tomorrow evening. God wants you to be conduits for this revival. He don't want it to be linked to a service alone. I believe the services are, are refreshment. I believe there are times of, of empowerment. I believe there's times where God's doing things corporately. But I believe that God wants to take this thing through you to your school. I believe he wants to use you to take it to your workplace, to take it to Aunt Betty's house, to take it to Cousin Jim's house. I believe that God wants to use it to take it to that corporation you work for, to that cubicle you set behind every every day and that assembly line that you stand behind. God wants to use you to be a conduit for the glory of God. I'm afraid we sell ourselves short, church, as to who God has called us to be. But tonight, the baptism of the Holy Spirit means more to us tonight than just somebody speaking in tongues, guys. And I don't want to minimize the power of tongues and the power of interpretation and the power of prophecy and the power of healing. I don't minimize no gifts because they're gifts of the Holy Spirit. But guys, let me tell you something. God created you to be an instrument that brings his power and brings his glory to somewhere besides a church building. He's called us to take it where we go, to be the conduit, to not be afraid to pray for the sick person next to us, to not be afraid to pray for that broken marriage and know that when I put these big old hands on them that the power of God is going to move, not because of who I am, but because of who he is inside of us. Because the king of glory don't live over yonder. The king of glory lives right there, right there, right there. And when our lives are submitted to his will, it releases a river that brings transformation and change. There are world changers in this room tonight. I just wonder how many people believe it. Guys, I want you to stand with me all over the house tonight. What if my job is my pulpit? What if my family is my congregation? What if my friends are my mission team? What if God is God 24-7 and not just at a church service? What if I can bring this presence, this power, 
this life-changing anointing, everywhere I go, you can't and you will. Why? Because we line ourselves up with the will of God. Jesus said, I do what I see my Father do. I've just got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I've just got to be willing to, to, to say, God, whatever you want in my life, I promise you the dream for your life that God has is bigger than you are. And if you're not careful, you'll sell yourself short of what God called you to do. And you'll sell yourself short of what God called you to be. Because we'll, we'll dream based on our abilities. We'll dream based on our perspective. But there's a, there's a God dream that's bigger than your perspective. It's bigger than your ability. It's bigger than your finances. It's bigger than your personal strength. It's bigger than your education. I'm talking about a God dream that it'll take God to bring it to pass. A God ministry that it'll take God to perform it. That's what he has for you. A God dream and a God vision. I just want to know how many people in this room today are hungry. Say, God, use me. God, I want to be a vessel that that river flows through. That I want to be a conduit, a throne in which that river flows out of. And everywhere it goes, it brings life. Everywhere it goes, it contours the shape in the land. Instead of the world dictating where we go and what we do, it's going to be the church that's dictating the direction in which the world goes. Come on, church. God didn't call us to be overcome. God called us to have dominion. God called the church to lead the pathway and blaze the trail. It was said about the early church, and they are no different than you and I are today. These men, Pastor Todd, are turning the world upside down. Where are the world changers? Where are the nation shakers? Where are the rivers? I believe they're in Dawsonville, Georgia. I believe they're sitting in church tonight at Christ Fellowship of Dawsonville. I believe they're in this room today, young and old alike. Middle class, upper class, lower class, however you want to categorize it. Because God's no respect of where I come from, which side of the railroad tracks I came on, what color my skin is, what, what nation I was born in. God, listen, let me tell you something. He don't care about your past. God took care of the past by the power of the blood he spilled on Golgotha's hill. He don't care if you got a rap sheet longer than Texas. He don't care how many jails you've been in and out of. He don't care how many drugs you've done or how much alcohol you drank or who you slept with or what kind of person you slept with. Because the blood done done away with that. And it's washed in his as the east is of the west that God said I got a new vessel that I can put my life into and I can make you that river those who have been forgiven of much love much God needs somebody that knows what he did for them on the cross and say God use me I want every man and woman in this room tonight say Pastor Les I want God to use me I want God to flow through me I want God to empower me. I want God to enable me. I want you to get out from behind your seat and join me in this altar tonight. I want every person who said, God, use me as a nation shaker. Use me to win my family. Use me to win my workplace. I want you to come. I want to pray for you tonight. Every person that wants that God dream on the inside of them, I want you to come tonight. Every person that's tired of sitting on the sidelines and watching everybody else be used, I want you to come. Because it's time that you get off the sidelines and that you begin to move to the front lines. God didn't call you to be a spectator. God called you to be a participator. God wants to use the average man today, the average woman, 
God wants to use the incapable so that when you do the miraculous, it's God that's going to get the glory. Not you, not me, not anybody else, but God is going to get the glory. There's a river flowing tonight, and that river is more than a feeling. That river is empowerment. That river tonight is enablement. That river is strength. That river gives life. And that river brings fruit everywhere it flows. And it's a flowing out of your belly. 